We make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. We're a weekly talk show that likes to bring you some ideas to ponder, ideas to disagree with, and hopefully some things that are worth considering. I'm your host, Gord I'm here with my co-host, our very knowledgeable doctor of naturopathic medicine, Dr. Alexia Georgiousis. Hello, Alexia. Hello, Gord. Another week goes by and I don't see you live. I think you're becoming a hologram. <laughs> Maybe I am. Well, you know, it's okay. I'll talk to holograms. I'll talk to anybody (laughs) at this point. Uh, Locked down as we are. Uh, We are live. If you would like to join our conversation at any point, please give us a call toll-free anywhere in North America at 1-888-346-9141. Now, this evening, we have a friend of mine, um, and I'm really thrilled to have her on the show. Her name is Jennifer Drummond. Uh, she is a dynamic humorist and a very astute teacher and facilitator with a specialty in diversity, inclusion, and equity training. Uh, Jennifer is the founder and president of Racial Lens, a client-centered uh, consulting company creating safe spaces for difficult conversations around race. She's a graduate of York University in international studies, and she's also a graduate of the Spiritual Psychotherapy Program at Transformational Arts College. Jennifer has an extensive background in the creation, implementation of children's programming, and she's been described as creative, innovative, and a fast thinker. Fast talker, maybe. Fast. <laughs> Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you very much, Gordon Alexia. I'm glad to be here tonight. <laughs> We're thrilled. Uh, Jennifer's work seeks not to shame, guilt, or chastise anyone for our, our unconscious beliefs that so many hold around race. Instead, she seeks to elevate through active discussions the inclusion of all in becoming anti-racial advocates. And on a fun note, she is also a one mean belly dancing instructor. She has a <laughs> awesome. total she has a total balance in her life work uh, situation. So welcome again. It's great to have you here. So, Thank you so much. You know, the, the pandemic, God love the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. is, I think, really instrumental in bringing a lot of issues to the surface. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just like, you know, what, it's not just racism. I mean, anything that's associated around that whole area, equity, yeah. equality, women, LG, LGBTQ plus, and ageism, elder care. I mean, just a yeah. boom, you know, to the surface. Do you see that? Like, are you, like every, uh, I'm, I'm happy that it came to the surface. I'm really happy that it came to the surface for me and for, I think, a lot of people who have been doing uh, DEI work. We're not surprised, uh, but really encouraged by the amount of people who are starting to be more cognizant of these problems that are in our society and also starting to really care about it. And Why do you also- see that happening? Pardon? Why, like, why do you, I agree with you completely, but why, yeah. what do you think is the, the catalyst that people suddenly are, I, are wanting to know more about racism or do something about it or take it seriously? I think a lot of it comes from the fact that COVID 
made us all shut down and stop and be with ourselves, especially when we're a society that is like, go, 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 you know, everything's fast and in your hands. And now you can't do it. You had to pre-think things like getting your groceries, like small things. And then all of this stuff came up under this, came up from the surface. So COVID, the, the highest communities that were hit were usually brown and black, black. Uh, uh, it's true. Right. And also uh, indigenous communities. Those yep. were the three communities that were really hit. And elders. And, and elders, right? Yeah. So there's people who are being falling through the system. And I think everybody thinks that the system is going to hold on to them, but it doesn't. And it's now it's a whole bunch of people who have always had housing security and food security and family security who are also seeing those things whittle away as they lots of people lost jobs and weren't allowed to work or lost mm. some of their their income lost family members to this illness that they thought that that was just a flu right for a long yeah. time people were telling us it was just a flu um and then people are starting to realize all this stuff is happening and it's great that people are starting to look at consequences now. When things happen, there are different consequences. It doesn't just start with, if I do this, this will happen, right? That's how young children think, right? They think, okay, if I do this, it's going to be funny. Right. <laughs> but they don't, think, they don't think past it's going to be funny, right? right? Whatever they're doing. So now, so they have to start, they start thinking about, okay, so why is it funny at whose expense? What is that doing and, and how does it hurt the other person? How does it hurt the people around you? How does it hurt you when you're doing things like this? And I think having that time that COVID gave us really allowed people to be empathetic about what was going on. Well, um, that's, and, that's what I was wondering, Jennifer, is you, if you felt that this was actually because you're the fact that you went through the program and, and did the spiritual psychotherapy as well, I'm very curious how you have found that has helped you with your work. For me, it's been great um, just because I, people are willing to listen now and people are also understanding that uh, what they're hearing is not, they're slowly starting to understand that it's not a personal attack, that it's about we're talking about systems that don't work mm -hmm. and systems that have been enforced and implemented um, or duplicated or duplicated um, for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not that, let me digress. It's not that the system doesn't work. The system does work the way it was designed. Right. <laughs> but right. we're, we're going back to this aspect of empathy yeah. and compassion, because I agree with you that putting this pause in our lives and really forced to be with ourselves and yeah. not in the distraction. But mm -hmm. are you seeing, and, and in your work around the, these, also the spiritual aspect of this, because it's, it is something that is massive around awareness. Absolutely. You know, so, so that's what I'm curious about in terms of your, um, either, you know, your insight into this. Mm -hmm. um, I think that this, the spiritual aspect of it helps a lot just because 
and how rooted it is. It's because it's shaking everyone's foundation as well. So no one feels entirely as secure as they used to. It's almost like um, walking on lava or maybe with roller skates because they're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of that walking uh, or walking on ice, walking on thin ice. People are feeling that way. I think a lot of it as well is that because all of the distractions that we normally have, you know, with stuff going on in Hollywood and nothing happened, we had no concerts, we had no new movies, we had none of this other stuff to distract us. And food, also eating. The, pardon? Food and eating, like going to the restaurants. Food and eating, yeah, yeah all clubs, that stuff. We had none of those live things, music. clubs, everything. Yeah. So when the news comes out about what's happening and all these inequities are coming out, we have, there's a lot, there's a captive audience because there's nothing else to distract them. And then it <laughs> starts to weed in, that empathy starts to, to weed in, hopefully, when people start really understanding that, oh, okay, it's not just because people aren't working hard or because there's a few bad apples. Or it's or, not just them. It's not, it's not just, just them. them. Yeah, it's not just them. It's now happening. Like everybody realized just how close they are to possibly being in their shoes, you right. know. And uh, so I think that helps to bring a lot of the empathy out. And then also that desire of really wanting to make change. Um, and uh, so I'm very happy with that, the way that people are starting to make change. Uh, in the world, there's still a lot of work to do. Oh yeah, but a lot. <laughs> like I will not see. I uh, well, it, oh, there's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, and and unfortunately, the uh, for for uh, for for people who are white, the majority of the work is is there's the onus is on them, right? Because this is a system that was created to protect. Right. Right. That's actually my next question for you was this, yeah. this aspect of being, you know, I'm obviously a white person that's living in a predominantly white country. Um, you know, even though I have uh, immigrant parents, I'm still white. So it's a yeah. different experience. Very, very different. Yeah. So, so it can feel, um, that's why I'm, I'm, I really like your work around not, you know, not basically going to shaming and and making people feel guilty or sense like this because it can feel overwhelming yeah and it's a that you know in that aspect what would what do you say to white people who are saying hey I I want to do something but I'm pretty overwhelmed yeah and the thing I say to people is part of that overwhelmness is um number one not necessarily knowing the real history about what's going on. So those are things that you can do and look in on your own, right? Understanding the history of the systems, you know, this, and uh, like, for example, the history of white supremacy, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a word I know that really triggers a lot of people because they're all thinking of people in hoods, right? <laughs> or the right. people who right. stormed the Capitol. Yes, yes. Right? But that's not what it is. That's the far extreme, right, of of the um uh the the of of white supremacy there's also different variations of white supremacy throughout the systems because the yeah. system was based to build to make um white whiteness 
the paramount thing. So it is. Yeah, it was to protect. It was to protect their their holdings, which included black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the American Civil War is really about it's about slavery. Yeah, well, the American Civil War, uh, the South won. If yeah, you want to think about it, the way mm-hmm. it's going, the way yeah. the GOP is set up, right? The only reason that the United States has the GOP is because it was to satisfy the Southern leaders, the same right. now, and just how even the map is set up and the stuff that's going on. It's very much still a very, you know, the South won, yeah. <laughs> yeah. even though they, they didn't, right? I mean, and, and you just think about it, it's um, <clears throat> because they were allowed to rewrite the history so much that it really got skewed in regards to mm-hmm. where it is. And black people and indigenous people got completely lost in the middle of that. Well, the, the victors always write the history. Yeah, the you narrative know. got totally switched. Totally gets changed. You know, the, yeah. I, I think that Canada can't get off free here. I mean, slavery existed. Oh, God, no. It, 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 you know, <laughs> that's, that's very painted over. It doesn't come out in your high school. You know, we had the railroad. You know the yeah. the uh, black railroad, uh, the, underground, uh, the underground, the underground railroad. railroad. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, the underground railroad, and yeah. that's what we hear about. Oh my God, we're so fabulous! No, no, yeah. no, no. We no, had no, no, a no, no. lot. It was huge through Quebec and Ontario. You know, uh, slavery, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. certainly we we dropped it, you know, much earlier because of England. Yeah, we, you know, being part of that that whole thing, but. You know, we we don't teach the fact that Canada was equally, in, at least Upper and Lower Canada, was equally as involved in slavery. And Absolutely. Invested, and invested in it. And invested in it and let yeah. the the people who were looking for uh, escaped slaves to come through into our border. And um, so a lot of the times, you know, Canada, Canada, the good thinks, oh, and this is one of the big arguments I get in. It doesn't have racism. I'm like, "Mm, I'm a mixed race woman. And I've grown up in Toronto my entire life. And I've been to every single province. And every time in in one of those provinces, I've experienced racism. Right. So (laughs) is that usually a, a, a white person saying that? I'm curious about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think, absolutely. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part about- of it is the denial is, is that I don't want this to be true. Right. I don't want to get mad with people for saying that, but they don't want it to be true because right. racism has been linked to uh, a lack of morality. Hmm. Right. If I'm a racist, yeah. I'm a bad yeah. person. I'm a bad person, but right? it's so unconscious. But that's not what it is. It's mainly unconscious. So, yeah. Uh, Alexia, you're asking what can a white person do when it's just so overwhelming? Part of it is the reading and everything I was saying, but also taking a really good, hard look at yourself and seeing where how how you are centered and how you benefited just because of the color of your skin, right. right? And really understanding your own implicit biases. So that's what I do with a lot of my clients is trying to pull out their understanding of their own implicit biases and be able to come to terms with that. Because if you're still going to be triggered every time you hear one of those words, you're not going to be able to help as much, right? You're not going to be able to be conscious with your helping. You might be able to help in regards to some really concrete things would be, you know, writing, um, uh, Letters to your representatives, uh, Ministry of Education, Police Department, uh, Health uh, Health Department, your MPs and MPPs, 
and things like that. Those are some concrete things that you can really do. But to have, uh, but the big thing that you can do to really make a shift is learn about yourself so that you can teach the next generation how to, how they, so that they don't have to struggle as much. Right. That they well, can that's, come to terms easier. Yeah, that's, that's amazing advice because, you know, going back to the systems, you know, we know healthcare, which I often will refer to as sick care, because mm-hmm. I feel that it's not, again, it's the system. It's a system that has fed into, you know, insurance, pharma. Not that we don't need pharma. It's just that having preventative medicine accessible and naturopathic yeah. medicine as well, we're guilty of, it's, it's very white dominated. Mm-hmm. No question. Yep. It's a very privileged education. Yes. It's, it's something that it's not, again, it, it reveals this sense of, oh, look, how inclusive are we really? And yeah. how affordable is this for anybody, regardless of their color? Of, of their skin, but it's, it's something that has become very privileged, which is yeah. very yes. unfortunate, right? And that's, and that's exactly the word that I want to talk about in terms of what white people can do is understanding what privilege even means. Yeah. Because I know I struggled with it and think I've made some head road, but you know, it's still something I think we need to talk about uh, for everyone. Uh, but you know what? We're really privileged to be able to go to commercials right now. So we will be <laughs> back in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Uh, just as a uh, reminder, uh, if you want to get in on this conversation, that uh, we are live to air right now at one 346 9141 I know that Jennifer would love to take your phone calls. Um, let's go back to where we were just before our privileged break. And that was talking about privilege. <laughs> we were. We were. And so we're just, I just starting to. to. You're just starting to. So I want to kind of bring it back in regards to how we do have privilege. Even I have some privilege, right? Everyone has different kinds of privilege. But one of the basic privileges that we have in regards to being Canadian is that we are able to live on this beautiful land that was owned by, uh, not owned, they didn't own it. They were the keepers of the land, the Indigenous uh, people. So I want to acknowledge that the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people were in Toronto. So those are the lands that we're on in regards to Treaty 13. And the idea of doing land acknowledgements is that we're, we're saying thank you for the privilege of being able to live, work, love, play, <laughs> and enjoy our lives on this land mm-hmm. uh, it called, now called Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but to realize that this was a fully recognized nation before it we was arrived. colonized. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's, it's very, very powerful to bring that, again, it's an awareness piece. Yes. About, yes. hang on, if this, with this pandemic, if we look at it from a, a, a more, a higher perspective per se, mm-hmm. and not in the drama, but it's like, okay, we have to go back to realizing we are part of the earth. And the Indigenous peoples had the most awareness around connectivity to the earth and the rhythm. So I think it's beautiful that you thank you for for doing that, Jennifer. No worries. Yeah. And and, and in regards to, and Gord, I'm not ignoring you. I totally know we want to go to privilege. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm just letting you know I'm not. Oh, God, I'm going to go somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's another show I can pop on to. No, go ahead. So what I'm trying to just say is like in Canada, you know, we have uh, Canada the good, you know, mm. people are nice in Canada, um, so which polite. is actually a word I hate. To I'm be sorry. Honest. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I prefer kind. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because right? nice yeah. means that you're willing to accommodate people who don't necessarily deserve to be accommodated. Mm. Well, we have been. I think we have been very much like like We've been very nice to accommodate those in power. And now it's like, I don't know if I want to be so nice anymore. I want to be kind, but I also want to live in a real world. Have some boundaries. (laughs) Where I'm aware of what those real things are. So, you know, we're taught indigenous people in Canada, like just basic stuff that they're still striving for. And Mm -hmm. ridiculous things like... Mm -hmm. Clean water. Water. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Or being heard when pe- when there's hundreds of women being kidnapped and murdered. Disappearing, murdered. Exactly. Disappearing. Yeah. And no one's looking for them. Yeah. They can't be yeah. bothered. That's right. Um, so, you know, that's something that we should really look into. And that's a privilege that a lot of people have that if you go to the authorities and one of your loved ones is missing, they're going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very, very true. true. Very true. They're, go- they're yeah. going to listen to you. Yeah. And, well, and, and you kind I mean, of bring up a good point around this, Jennifer, too, around people's discomfort. Yeah. With they don't want to see it. They don't want to talk about it. Right. And I think that 
also reflects in terms of the new skill set we need to teach children. Yes. Is that how do we witness discomfort and how do we be in a place of having more empowerment? Because, you know, it's like Gord's mentioned this before, Gord, you've said this in shows before around how, you know, the, the whole shift of, you know, shove away all the elderly people and, you know, don't yeah. deal with death. Don't look at it. Pay somebody to take care of it. Yep. So, so, you know, in your work, Jennifer, is this something also around what you see with children? Is there, do they have a capacity or a bigger capacity? Because I believe the younger generations do. Oh, absolutely. I think they so. absolutely do. Yeah. They completely have the capacity. And it's what comes they, down to us that takes yeah. that capacity away. Yeah, because we, I mean, just think about the education system, right? We're reforming kids to fit in this bubble, yeah. right? We don't change our teaching styles traditionally to meet a child where they're at, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Like I have a friend whose son has just been diagnosed with uh, autism. And they've had, they've been, he's been struggling, but he's also one of the youngest kids in his class. Like literally that he was just on the cusp of being able to get in. So he's really young developmentally. And they, they, and they just want him to stay back one year and think that he would be less frustrated and would learn more. And cause it's the, and would be in the age group of people who are developing, developing the same as him pretty much. Right. And the system won't let them, even though the parents are okay with it. That's, this is the desire of the parents. The system won't let them. Mm-hmm. Really? Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, so, I, I, so, so you're seeing this in terms of, again, because to me, those systems are so, um, like they are collapsing slowly. Yeah, um, which I, is I think great. What's going to be... <laughs> Education is the slowest, though. Well, yes. it's, it is, Ugh. absolutely. And what we see, it's, you know, you look at the universities that it's like just these institutions of rigidity and, mm-hmm. and rules that are no longer, they don't mm-hmm. fit anymore in our world. No. So, so with these systems, Jennifer, going back to this, I often wonder, and I'm very curious about, okay, how does it start to shift? Because you have to have conscious leadership, which in my opinion, we don't really have much of it no. out there. No. So what's your, what's your suggestion for this? Well, and that's part of my goal in regards to my work that I want to do. I would like to ideally work with some leaders and get them to break down their own implicit biases um, and do that work because the work is hard. It's like major therapy. It's like racial, racial therapy, which is what racial we're therapy, exactly. this Love today. It. I'm like, and it I'm pretty right. much is racial, ther- yeah. racial therapy to understand <clears throat> where you are and how where you are in relation to everyone around you. So it's really more about creating a more, co- a real collective conscious, yeah. right? I think Not we need to break that down. We need to break that down. I think a little bit more that people who's listening might, you know, sort of understand that, you know, and, and you, you've identified it is that is the individual not collectively, but the individual needs to know, like, for instance, I need to know what does privilege mean? Right. You know, Exactly. And it, it really, I mean, I really struggled with that, you know, I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of variables as to what that really means, but I don't, I'm not fearful when I walk out the front door that the police are no. going to stop me on the street. I'm not yeah. fearful when I'm driving that they're going to drag me out of the car and beat the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, uh, I, so I don't have any of those. I don't even think those things. 
because right. that's my that has been my privilege. You know, uh, I wouldn't even think of walking in for a job interview that they would take one look and go, no, like yeah. I just have to figure out how I'm going to tap dance around it. You know, to get like in other words, the words to get into whatever that might be. Uh, yeah. Of course, I, of course, I took control of that years ago by becoming self-employed. So um, Which helps. <laughs> didn't have to worry about that. You know, but that was my privilege to be able to do that. As well, yeah. That was also a privilege to be able to do that. You know, yeah, exactly. So, and so I think you have that. Support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not so much in 1988 opening up the school, but no, but. you know, <laughs> at least they continue to listen to me. You know, if I've yeah. been a black guy, you know, I don't care how spiritually advanced they were, they're not. They wouldn't have listened to him. No, or, and getting a loan for something like that would have been absolutely unheard of. Yep. Um, even now, getting loans is very, very difficult for people of color um, because they're seen as not having enough wherewithal collateral. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's intention and hard work, even if it's shown up in other things. Okay. Um, So, and, and it's really, it, that, that unconsciousness comes out a lot and things like, um, you know, people making fun of new immigrants speaking broken English Right. And I've seen that where I've people have made fun of them. And I just uh, somebody else and I go, excuse me, how many languages do you speak to the person who's speaking broken English? And it's usually like four or five. Mm-hmm. It's not just two. Exactly. It's exactly. Actually multiple ones. Too badly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like and then the other person starts thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm making fun of them speaking broken English. And English is the only language I speak. This person's working on their third or fourth. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so that changes how you think about stuff. Right. Because if you're thinking the be all end all is an English speaker, but then someone else is learning it's English. It's the hardest language in the world to learn. It really is. It's so complex. <laughs> I thought Chinese was, but no. Well, it, no. that's, you know, because it's got tones. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, and we, we were tone deaf um, yeah. in English, but well, yeah, English is so, so hard to speak well. No yeah. It's also yeah. the sense of, so, so Jennifer, going back to children, yes. when you say about capacity, and I know you want to work with the leaders, but I do think that when I see children and also people that are generally, and I'm generalizing completely here, under the age of 40, mm-hmm. I find that they're very open to questioning and being curious and challenging, not just, not just accepting what's you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Do mm-hmm. you, have you have you found that in your work? Um, I found that a bit. Not necessarily. I think uh, I would I would think your threshold might be a little bit higher than mine would be. <laughs> I'd probably be around twenty five thirty. <laughs> I don't understand what you mean. I don't understand about being willing to take things in and see things differently and understand question what's going on. Oh, it's it, okay. So based on my observation, you mean? Yeah, I would say okay. it's much lower okay. <laughs> than that. Just because people get, they, people don't like change. That's for sure. And addressing all of this is completely about changing yourself fundamentally. So for you to really understand, you have to change yourself fundamentally. It's not like you have to lose 100 pounds right. or something like that, but you have to change your beliefs. You have to question your beliefs where they came from, where they're going, how, what you can do, what you have the capacity to do in what time, right? And so, your willingness to do it. And your willingness to do it. 
Yeah. And what's, and what's the payoff. And a lot of people don't understand that what the payoff is, is that, that the collective it once when the collective is better, everybody is better. Yeah. Right. And the idea that people are being, you know, as Gord was saying, you know, being, getting a job and being turned away. Now, of course they're not turned away. This, the, the interview is only 15 minutes to or half an hour long. That's what happens. Right. Right. Yeah. But even having being able to be invited to an interview, right? If your name is not something that's very anglicized, Anglo, exactly. Yeah, you may not get a job at all. Or Absolutely. coming into an empl- coming into a job, like so I my name is Jennifer Drummond, right? It's about as Scottish as you can get. <laughs> it's pretty Scottish. Pretty Scottish. Let me see your pretty kilt. Scottish. Let me see your kilt last. Well, yeah, I. <laughs> so and uh, and so and then when I walk in, people are like, "Oh, almost every single interview I've gone into, um, they've been surprised that I'm I'm a black woman or I'm multiracial." Mm-hmm. And uh, then, then we'll sit down and talk. And then I get really grilled about what my experience is. Um, and See, if you carry big people pipes. don't believe what what experiences I have. My and when well, I how do, do you mean experience job, your work experience? Or I don't yeah, understand my skill set. Really, really. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, my skill set. Um, and uh, like even when I had jobs. You know, when was a program manager, consultant, different things, um, I would get questioned quite a bit about what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. And I'd have to constantly explain what I wanted to do, even though I would have built up something from nothing. And like I built up a program from seven sites to 18 sites in the span of three years and never went over budget. Well, wow. but anytime I wanted to do something, I had to completely explain it again. Right. right. Because, and, you know, and, and if anybody wanted to do it another way, I had to really tiptoe around being able to explain why I didn't believe this would happen because we were working with racialized young people. Mm-hmm. I'm going, yeah, I know. <laughs> so so, so it, almost, it almost makes me feel that I, I, going back to people don't like to change. Yeah. And I, I think that's very true. And I think that we're now going into a realm where we have to shift language, that it's mm-hmm. not just the change, there's actually an evolution that's happening. Yes. And so the this is the purpose, or what's the North Star, like what you were saying, going back to the collective, because there's a purpose to this. But when people are locked in saying, I'm only used to my own world, yeah, and it's just me, 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 that yeah. I think is, is where there's a, a lot of you know, bottlenecks. Absolutely. And and that's where we go when we're in fear. Yeah. You know, is we go, we go totally internally and connect to nothing because we're not even connecting to ourselves when we're in that level of fear. And the fear is being just dumped on us with everything from the pandemic to no money to, you know, whatever else is going on out there. Uh, yeah. and, and robbing us of our concerts and our, <laughs> our, our Broadway plays, you know. Uh, yeah. I think that language does play an enormous role, and I want to be to carry on. Uh, we're coming up to a break in a minute, but um, to talk about language, because yeah. I, think, I think language really 
you know, is defining so much. And some of the language, you know, like words like racialized, I'm not sure that that's a great word. No. You know, because so much of the language, this is me, I'll jump on my, my, my wagon first, is so much of the language takes away my emotional involvement in what the issue really is. So mm-hmm. I don't feel anything anymore. You know, uh, yeah. things like, you know, and I've said this on the show before, food insecurity. Why do you say these people are hungry, they're starving, their immune systems are collapsing because they don't have any goddamn food? Yeah. You know, tell me they're food insecure. I'm insecure on a date. I'm insecure when I go for a job interview. That's insecure. You know, I actually even heard Nancy Pelosi say about being housing insecure. Yeah. They're called homeless people. Yes. But when we use this word of insecure, it's kind of like, oh, pull up your socks, lad. You know, you'll be fine. You know, and, and I think it, if it takes away the emotional, the emotional connection to the issue, then it takes away the very people that can yell and scream for us. Because hmm. there's also a lot of words that give uh, a big, huge emotional punch. And those are the words that we need more out there. And I'd love to talk about those. Okay. So, let's, yeah. So, let's, let's talk about defund let's do a great or abolish big, the deep police. Absolutely. Perfect. Let's, let's, do, let's do a big punch you. on the other side of this commercial. We'll be well, right let's back. Let's go. <laughs> Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are 
listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we're here with Jennifer Drummond, and Jennifer is the executive director, co-founder, or the founder, I mean, and president of Rachel Lens, and we're talking about kind of racial stuff called therapy. Yeah. <laughs> racial therapy. <laughs> Therapize us. Okay. So we were, before the break, we were talking about words that can yeah. really put um, fear into people and break them down, and this is why I don't like shaming people. Um, yeah. or judging them because it, it does nothing. Shame no. does nothing no. except freeze people. So I don't want to do that. But I also don't want to soften things down. So like Gord was saying, uh, you know, home and sec- house, housing insecurity or food insecurity is homelessness and hungry, um, which is totally correct. You know, yeah. and that it's being, maybe it's being watered down. And these are it- academic terms, obviously. There, um, there, well, academia has has its own yeah, issues. Let's which not is, go there. Let's not even go there. Right? We, <laughs> they're not in the real world per se. No. It's the theory. So yeah. you know these these words, and I'm I'm curious about your um, work with people, Jennifer. When you don't want to soften it, and it's allowing, I think what I mean that's where the spiritual psychotherapy. I would imagine those skill mm-hmm. set as well to to really oh. let people drop into their hearts and and actually be like oh this feels so painful yeah right yeah so that whole idea of words like racist calling someone a racist right probably everybody's out there you know a lot of people who are listening probably went oh yeah right so you got to realize what's happening in your body if you're tensing up just from a word then you need to figure out what your relationship is with that word and why does it make you so uncomfortable Mm-hmm. But I don't want to downplay things because they get um, they get really watered over and just brushed to the side. Um, so things like white supremacy, I don't want to down that either. And we were just talking during the break that everyone has been affected by white supremacy. Myself and all people of color have been have been affected by that system. We do things a little bit differently because they're more accepted. Right. right. And so, it's a system. It's a system. It's a system. That, it that really moved is into place. Yeah. Yes. And it's not an individual like, attitude. I mean, no. it can look that way, but it's actually a system that we've all grown up in. Exactly. This is, this is it's, it's, our norms. It's like, yeah. It's like an energetic imprint that yes. people are following. Totally. And Great. Keep following the familiar. Yeah. And, and yeah. now it's suddenly the pandemic has said, I think it's very purposeful to, to mm-hmm. like what you said, Jennifer, is that it's, it is shaking people's foundations because yeah. we need to. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, so you've when, got people who are digging in. Right. Yes. Right? <laughs> and digging down and doubling down. Yep. Um, because, and, and, it's, and I believe that it's fear and scarcity thinking that is doing that. That's my particular belief yep. is that they think they're going to lose something. I read an article about the Capitol riot that said, yes. in fact, that was actually a race riot. Oh, yeah, for sure. That was that was white white supremacists who yeah. are terrified that they're losing control of what's going on. Absolutely. You know, which uh, that's exactly I, what it is. That's that I, I was I was not surprised. 
mm-hmm. that January 6th happened. Of course, that was yeah. my birthday. So most people didn't oh. call me that day because they were glued to the TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have called you, really. I would have called you, you know, like commercial breaks. <laughs> but it was like, oh, great. Okay. Um, I was, I, I knew it was going to happen. Um, I called it before Trump lost. <laughs> that something was going to happen. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a surprise to me, mm-hmm. and you know that. And that's the whole idea. Why was it such a surprise to the Capitol Police? But I digress. <laughs> right. right. Well, tell me something. Go ahead, Jennifer. Sorry. Go ahead. So going back to some of the words, right? Like defund the police or abolish the police. That freaks a lot of people out um, because for them, the police is a safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mainly that's because those are people who have never had to interact with police, police, right. But I know a lot of white people who have interacted with the police and have had really horrible experiences, yeah. mm-hmm. but for the most part, you haven't, this is someone who you can trust, who you can look to children are lost, go find the police officer or the security guard or something like that. Um, and we want to defund the police because their scope is so huge, right? They yeah. should not be answering medical, mental health. I, uh, you just uh, took the words out of my mouth. They're, they're our frontline worker. Well, it's, exactly. Yeah. And they've not been trained for all of these different no. things. Well, and that, right? that's revealing again the system that it's suddenly this, this, aspect of saying, okay, the police can handle this. It's not fair to the police officers, but it's also, especially having the the awareness training and then bringing in the appropriate practitioners who can actually work with mental health and everything else that's there. And and I I think, Jennifer, you know, you're, um, I have a question for you. So what do you say to somebody who is a a privileged white male Mm -hmm. and who's like, you know, Things are good. And I should say even white female, I don't even want to go there around men. I, yeah. because that's, I think it's just people where it's like, hey, I'm, you know, things are good. I think everybody, you know, has uh, equal chances. Yeah. And, it, and, and how do you work with someone to get to go into that sense of, hey, there's something else maybe here to consider? Yeah. That they're, you know, not, you need to get outside. You need to, people start needing to build their social circles wider. Yes. (laughs) How true. Uh, Outside of the people who think like you, want to be like you, who look like you. Who might have different sexualities also. Different sexualities, everything. Absolutely. Right. You really want to know a whole broad range of people. Right. And, you know, and proximity doesn't make a friend. No. <laughs> so, no. Right? Like working with somebody of that, like you sure you get to know them a little bit, but they're not your friends. Exactly. And you're not theirs. Right. So you don't really know anything about their personal lives. Right. And you don't know how to ask about their personal like even just being able to learn how to talk to somebody from another culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is really good. But also being able to take the feedback of if you're talking some way and that it hurts me giving me the opportunity to be able to tell you something without you breaking down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So right. I've had right. people who have said things to me that were completely inappropriate and they were saying it in jest, but they didn't know me. Right? right. You know, things like, Hey girl, how you doing? Oh my God. I love your hair. And I'm like, 
I don't even talk like that to my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't even talk like that to myself. Yeah, right. exactly. It's like, so you're just going to assume because of the color of my skin that I'm right. going to talk like that, yeah. you know, and I've had it before where I, you know, and I'm very nice the way I do things. I mean, I have very strict boundaries for myself, but I try and be cordial and I'll just go, you know, I really didn't care for that because you know, it made me feel that you were trying to almost relate to me in a way that you can't really relate to me because you don't know who I am. Right. And so speaking put you on to the street. those terms, yeah, it's like, can you just, just treat me like another human being? I want you to just see my humanity, <laughs> not, yeah. you know, well, and, and, and acknowledge think, my color. Right. And I think colorblind doesn't work. Right. Right. <laughs> and I think that's, that goes into that aspect of shifting hopefully eventually the education system with children and supporting the parents and supporting the teachers because the teachers I know lots of teachers who really want to engage with their kids differently the children and the system as you said with your previous example doesn't allow it and then this whole this whole aspect of how the leadership is set up has to just get cleared out just completely clear. Get out. rid of those old white guys. <laughs> they gotta go. You said it, not me. <laughs> no, I know I said it. I just look at them and just go, oh my God. You know, but look yeah. at how old they are in the US that just got elected. Like, oh my yeah. God. You know? Yeah. Crazy. And, and Jennifer, you brought something up as well that we didn't go into around uh scarcity and lack earlier. Yes. Can yes. can you speak to that a bit more, please? Well, I think it's 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 neat because um, I've been in different areas of my life, and I can just it, it's easier to relate in regards to a personal situation. Mm-hmm. So I remember when you know traveling around and trying to find my own apartment, right, um, and not being able to get an apartment because I'd show up, young person, and they're like, "Oh, okay, no." don't want you. Like it took me a long time to get my apartment also because I didn't have a lot of money. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then you have people who, you know, they come from poverty and to get out of poverty in this country is really difficult. Um, The way that the, you know, we're talking, we can just use COVID as well. You know, lots of small Mm -hmm. business owners, which I'm so glad they got, they got the CERB right? $2,000 a month to help out, right? right? A lot Barely. of people thought that. Yeah. Yes. Individually, uh, individually it did, yes. Individually, yes. Yeah. yeah. But um, Ontario Disability, the maximum they pay is $1,600 a month for someone yeah. who's officially disabled and cannot work. That's right. That is the max they get for everything. And if somebody can't even if so if somebody has a medical illness and they can't get past that medical illness mm-hmm. they get what they call ontario works and the maximum for that is $800 so let's just talk about that system of trying to get out yeah. of it yeah. and if you're at that point that you know at that you're still going to have to be to survive you're going to have to use a lot of your savings it's like a gold, it. it's it's like golden handcuffs well, yeah, exactly. And as soon as you earn money, they take it away from you. They take it. They do, but to break out of that, where you're getting subsidized housing, 
uh, all of those things, you know, that goes with, yeah. uh, you know, the Ontario Disabilities Program or Alberta. I'm familiar with that one as well. But, uh, you know, to break out of that is to, to basically run away from that security. Yeah, that's that's the handcuff well, part. And, and this yeah. goes back to sick care because it doesn't allow people to get good food, to go to naturopathic medicine, preventative yeah. medicine, because supplements cost money. They exactly. do. Herbal medicine, exactly. all of this wisdom, the expensive. indigenous wisdom of plant medicine, and it becomes preventative where they can't even get there. So, yeah. so I think that, um, you know, again, it's the, it's the sick, sick care that needs to collapse in a big yeah. way. Yeah, and a lot and of things everybody. collapse. It's yeah. like a lot of things that you that people take for for uh, take um, advantage or take. They just think it's it's you don't even think about it, right? For some people, yeah. you know, you've got to say the single mom working with two kids. She's usually got two or three jobs. Right. So yeah. now childcare, she can't afford that. Feeding her kids, it might be like, do I feed my kids when I go hungry? which happens quite which often happens. Yeah. or the lights get turned off at some point. Right. Yeah. Or the heat gets turned off at some point, you know, they might have to rotate those bills just so that yeah. they can survive. As and you if said, anything yeah. happens, then they're underground and they're underwater. Yeah. That's why the collectiveness um, is so important. Exactly. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, absolutely. Takes, you, you know, know Jen, it really does take a. I could have you here for the next four hours, exactly. but we're out of time. We could keep talking. I know. I, I love. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the sign coming down. I um, really, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you're going to be back on in the summer. We have another in the summer. Yes, great. Yes, great. I look forward to chatting with you guys uh, then. So we will advertise you out there. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can uh, email us at info at spiritgrows.ca. Next week, April 22nd, we're welcoming Eric Rankin uh, and Sonic Geometry. Eric's credited with making the groundbreaking discovery that elemental geometric forms reveal very specific musical harmonics. This is a significant discovery. Uh, reveals that our universe is a geometric construct, and it's also beautifully harmonic. Uh, he's been featured on the History Channel as well as various institutions and think tanks. Uh, so that's next week. The 22nd is Eric Rankin, uh, Sonic Geometry. Uh, if you'd like to see what's going on in the show, transformationalarts.ca. This is Gordon Dell and Alexia Georgius here at Things Worth Considering. Have a great week. Stay healthy. And we will see you back here at 8 o'clock next Thursday. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 